listeners. Um, Hi. Welcome to Turns Out She's Psychic. The podcast. Yes. Another week of listening to our voices. Gabble on. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We love your love and we love hearing your questions and stories and feedback. And lately, uh, Tracy's been very busy with a Raise Your Vibration boot camp number two for the back end of this year. Hi, Rivers. Hi. We just finished recording a workshop on a riv board that I finally got to be part of. So that was fun. So cool. It was. If you haven't done a boot camp... Get on the waiting list for the next one, which is in February 2021. Nice. Yay. And if you have fuck all idea of what we're talking about, then that's cool too. I think there's an episode called Where's Your Vibe At? And that's all about exploring those kinds of topics. So check yeah. that one out if you haven't already. Yeah. And the boot camp is basically 22 days of morning and evening sessions that you don't have to be a part of because they're recorded and you can watch them later. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's learning a new tool, technique, ritual or practice each day to raise your vibe so that you've got a toolkit. So it's not psychic development. It's not mediumship development. It's none of that. It's, it's actually a lot of it's quite practical psychology related. Yeah. Uh, And a lot of it's energy, like all of it is energy related, but it's, I'm a mix of the two. I'm a blend of science and spirituality. So the boot camp is exactly that in every day. So the Riv boot camp, uh, Riv board. Yes. Is a workshop to create a Riv board, which is similar to a vision board, but it's something that has just been something that I conjured up a few years ago. And so now I teach people the concept and it helps a lot. It's good fun too. It is fun. It is fun. And everyone loves it. When they've got one, they love their riff board. Yeah. Brings so much. And it's a great project you can do with kids over the school holidays or the weekend, especially those in lockdown that are just looking for new things to do. Yeah. It's a great idea. Love it. Love it. So that's what we've been doing this afternoon. And we were going to talk, Tracy, about the new uh, fan page that we have over on Facebook. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) So why did we need a fan page Well, rather than just the podcast page? It's kind of done my head in because (laughs) we wanted to be able to do watch parties. And so I had this crazy idea last week that we could do a watch party for Halloween because Halloween is kind of cancelled this year. So I just thought, what could us adults do after we, you know, trick or treat with the kids in our own little way what could we do when it gets dark and spooky and just to do something for the podcast so I thought let's do a watch party so I got onto our Facebook page just our regular one um, and I searched up how to do watch parties and it came up saying that watch parties have to be done through a group and you've got it in a little video way of like instructional showing you how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that and I was just like, okay, we're going to have to create a group, create a group. So I rang <laughs> you, I rang Laura and I was just like, how do you feel about creating a fan page group? And she's just <laughs> like, can we not use the word fan? <laughs> I'm like, I know, but I don't know what to call it because we kind of need something that's a group. Yep. So it's the Turns Out She's Psychic podcast fan page, but it is a group rather than a page. Got you. Yep. And so that group is supposedly allowing us the ability to be able to do a watch party. 
Right, host the watch party. Yes. Yes. However, today, going <laughs> in to try and explain to Lara how we're going to make this watch party work, it now seems that I can't create a watch party in the fan page group, but I can create a watch party on our original Turns Out She's Psychic page. So either way, there might Will be. Will be a watch party? <laughs> <laughs> Moral of the story is. Yes. Spirit and technology and Tracy, this is the answer. And <laughs> there will be a watch party. It will just be on either or or both or one of or maybe none of the above. <laughs> However, we do have on the Turns Out She's Psychic podcast mm, yep. fan page a poll. And the poll is, are you up for a spooky Halloween, which is Saturday next Saturday the 31st? Yes. Um, at night, probably about 9 o'clock at night, 9.30 at night, even quite late, about a 45-minute watch party where we are all on watching the same thing, freaking the same crap out of each other, <laughs> laughing at Lara, peeing her pants. Um, I will not. <laughs> because you'll be wearing a nappy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and you won't know because I'll have a poker face sorted ahead of time. I reckon I could know. <laughs> oh, you're psychic. <laughs> well, also I'm a mum of three. I'm an expert <laughs> at looking at kids' faces when they're doing something in Wee their pants they shouldn't be doing. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a poll there. So please jump over to their fan page group. Yep. <laughs> fan page group. Yep. Um, and vote on the poll if you were up for it. And if we get enough votes, then we're totally down for it. And if we don't get enough votes, then it might be something that we plan to do another time. I don't know. Yep. But if you do vote yes, or even if you vote no, but if you do vote yes and you've got a really great idea of what we could be watching, then please comment on the fan page, um, your suggestions of what you would be keen to to look at. So I'm thinking things like I tried to look for a Winchester yes. house, um, but to be honest, all the ones that I watched to make sure they were okay were boring as fuck. So I was just like, <laughs> I'm not doing this. Like I'm pretty sure they would be boring for everyone, not just me, but I want to find something that's definitely not going to be boring uh, and you've got to be really careful with the watch parties because it's just what's available on YouTube and it's free, so like in terms of no copyright or yeah, anything like exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we're open to topics to be yeah. able to include into the potential watch party that we might be having next Saturday night. Yep. Um, maybe I will be dressing knows. up if we do, just quietly. Nice. I will. will Don't you? be quiet about it. Will you? I will if you will. <laughs> I'll let my girls do my makeup. They love that's doing right. my makeup, so that's dress up and off. <laughs> pretty spooky stuff. It is pretty spooky and frightening. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Nice. So we've covered that. Next. <laughs> Admin. All right, cool. Um, I wanted to um, appeal to our Southern Hemisphere listeners, and since we're in October and we're going on Halloween sort of stuff – the sort of other side of the coin to that is the Beltane, uh, did I say that right? You did. <laughs> um, time of year, which is what we're in now. So obviously it's Halloween in the Northern Hemisphere and all around the world really. We observe this time of year to be related to Halloween. But if we're going off seasonality and the historical ways of life back then, we're in Beltane and that is um, spring and moving into summer. So I've got on the internet and done some research about the history of that and what that means for us and I'm going I to read out 
where I found this information. It's Wikipedia, um, Beltane.org and LearnReligions.com. So I just thought for those that would be interested, I'm going to read out a little bit of information on Beltane and all that encompasses what's involved there. Um, so it says it's got with roots in the British Isles and Germany, Beltane is a celebration that falls midway between the spring equinox and the summer solstice. It honours spring at its peak and the coming of summer. If the spring has been a fruitful one, usually the rains have produced rich and fertile earth with verdant green woodlands. Beltane celebrates the new life that will emerge during the seasonal transition. The word Beltane roughly translates as bright fire and, as such, one of the most important rituals which survives today in modern festivals is the lighting of the Beltane bonfire. Fire was seen as a purifier and healer and would have been walked around and danced or even jumped over by the members of the community. Farmers would also have driven their cattle between bonfires to cleanse and protect them before being put out into the fields. In ancient communities, all hearth fires would have been extinguished and a new fire lit, which would have then been used to relight the people's hearths in their own homes. In this way, the community was connected to each other by the sacred fire, which was central to all. The festival would also have been a time of courtship rituals and a celebration of our own fertility. The important point to note when thinking about Beltane is the joy and the revelry that is fostered. It is about casting off the darkness and celebrating the light. It is a time for celebrating fertility, both in the context of our biological functions as well as our own creative energies, the fertility of lands and of our creative community. Um, so then it got me thinking about May Day celebrations and Maypoles and where that all sort of uh, fit into the whole Beltane thing. So I got looking into that and I found some cool information that um, talks about the history of the Maypole dance um, as a spring ritual long known to Western Europeans, usually performed on May the 1st, May Day. The folk custom is done around a pole garnished with flowers and ribbon to symbolise a tree practiced for generations in countries such, such as Germany and England, the Maypole tradition dates back to the dances ancient people used to do around actual trees in hopes of harvesting a large crop and associated with fertility rituals. Also popular in ancient Rome were the spring celebration of Flor Floralia, festival of Flora, the Roman goddess of flowers. In the British Isles, the Maypole celebration usually took place the morning after Beltane. When couples performed the Maypole dance, they had usually come staggering in from the fields, clothes in disarray and little. straw in their hair <laughs> after a night of lovemaking. <laughs> <laughs> this led to 17th century Puritans to frown upon the use of the maypole in celebration. After all, it was a giant phallic symbol in the middle of the village green. Which means it looked like a penis. <laughs> <laughs> How untoward. <laughs> By the 1800s, the Maypole celebrations and dances were significantly more structured and modest and commonly part of a church-led May Day celebrations. So that's when I think 
maybe little young girls started skipping around with ribbons and that sort of thing and did their weaving and, <laughs> and it became so a it became much more civilised. But, yeah, so I found that all kind of interesting. So in the season that we're at, so we're coming out of our winter and we're moving into the warmer months where... People are getting frisky. Yeah. (laughs) Frisky and fertile. Romping around in the hay bales. (laughs) Then finding a phallus to dance around. So that's where we're at. Maybe we can all just erect. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) what are you going to say now? Never mind. I'm not going to say anything at all. Just stop it erect. Uh Uh-huh. I'm going to stop at that word. We're done. (laughs) Yep. That's cool. Thanks for that. That's okay. I just, I'm finding out more and more of all this information. So I like reading into it and I'm hoping our listeners enjoy listening to it. Yeah, and that's a cool little um, summary. Yes. And just a a brief. Very brief, yeah. Um, But if you're interested in it, look it up. Or if you know more about it, share it with us. Because I know the seasons, like I know how they work and I know what they're called, but I really don't um, know all the depth. Yeah, well, it is deep too, isn't it? You know, there's lots of rituals yeah, and a lot of customs folk and, and custom around yeah. it all. So. Yeah, and a lot of it's very mystical as well. Yeah, which I love. Yeah, because also this side of the season is another thinning of the veil, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So there's yeah. obviously the one at Halloween, but because this is the exact opposite, there's also one this yeah. time of year. Yeah, because it's just the light and dark of the scales. So mm-hmm. on either sides of where the light meet the dark in a circle. It's going to be thin. Yep. Either way. Yeah. Whether it moves from light to dark or dark to light. Um, but yeah, so around sort of um, May, April, May, that's when it sort of starts to get thin. Yep. Um, it feels different though. It's a very different feeling. Like I think there must be a part of me intrinsically and innately on my soul somewhere that is Southern Hemisphere, which my ancestry tells me that anyway. But Northern. Yeah, sorry, Northern yep. Hemisphere, yeah. So I think that um, I feel very much in tune more with the Northern Hemisphere than I do the Southern anyway. Even though you're a Southern animal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, um, I think that, I don't know how that happened. I think that that was a glitch in the Matrix. <laughs> I think I definitely belong in the Northern um, not that I don't love Australia, not that I don't love our beaches and our weather and our beautiful country, but... I think it's common though because um, we're influenced heavily from Northern Hemisphere countries in everything, in media and more so growing up we were as well, so... Yeah, I think I just feel like, you know, sometimes you just feel a connection to something and you just don't know what it is. Like yeah. how that, how, like it doesn't make logical, rational sense because it's not something that's happened in your lifetime now. I feel such a strong connection to, to the Northern Hemisphere, but more so the England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales and yep. Germany and France and all that area as opposed to the Western Americas. European. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, you know, our friend Shannon from Asher Moon. Hi, Asher Moon, Shannon. Yeah, she's our beautiful magic maker of our chalices that we have. Oh. Um, our goblets. So good. Oh, they're the best. We use them every time we record. Um, she did her ancestry and her and I actually have 
almost like so close, like a, p- a couple of percentage off identical ancestry. It's wow. hectic. Like all our spaces are the same, which is bizarre because when we first met each other, it was just like instant. Um, but she went over to Scotland um, a couple of years ago and did a trip and had never been there before and went there and was just like, it felt like home. And she goes, I can't say that to everybody, but I totally understood what she meant because yeah. where I live now uh, in North of Oka, it's the first time that I felt home. Like I have a home, home feels like home, but there's a part of me that just has never felt home. Yeah. And so when she said that, I was just like, I totally get that because I recognize that I don't have that. Yeah. And it's a feeling that I'm just really aware of. It doesn't speak loudly, but I think that somewhere inside of me, I'm programmed to be very Northern Hemisphere <laughs> um, related in terms of traditions and culture and, and practices and rituals. All that deep history. Yeah. yeah. So I have decided to keep with the Halloween theme to give our listeners around the world, including the Northern Hemisphere and the Southern Hemisphere, but we've got listeners everywhere at the moment. We do. We do. Where Hello, are they everybody. From? Where are they from, Laura? We've got Spain, Portugal, India, Canada. China. Scotland, England. Africa. America. Australia, New Zealand. It's crazy when you see it pop up. Yep. It's it's awesome. And when you see them pop up repeatedly, it's just like, okay, these people are liking it and they're listening. It's so cool. It's just like, wow, they're hearing our voices like all the way over fucking in the Northern Hemisphere. So weird. So weird. So cool weird. Yeah. So instead of sticking to just America and Australia um, haunted places, (laughs) um, there is this amazing um, online resource um, called Traveller. And it actually has an article on the 43 most haunted places in the world that are beautifully scary by Caitlin Morton. Um, so this was done last year on October 18th. Uh, and so Ooh, I'm just going to... good date. Yes. <laughs> Laura's birthday. Um, so I'm just going to read a few that are from places where our listeners are from. Um, and if you are listening and you have been there or you know about it and you know more of the history because it's from your homeland, then please share it because I want to be spooked. Yeah, just share it to Tracy. <laughs> Attention to Tracy. <laughs> no, share it to the podcast. Um, okay, so I know I'm going to get this wrong straight off the bat, but there is a forest in Romania called the Hoya. I'm not even going to attempt it, but the second word is B-A-C-I-U. Okay. Any take? <laughs> Bacor? <laughs> okay, we're going with that. The Hoya Bacor. Forest from Romania. Bacal? Oh, okay, go on. I don't know. What about it, Tracy? Um, so apparently a, there was, in 1968, a photograph taken of this forest of an apparent UFO hovering over the forest. And since then, it sort of attracted all of this paranormal attention, which is fair enough. Um, but um, what a lot of people now believe is that that UFO in landing there, um, that the, the paranormal investigators believe now that there's a portal that has been opened or that there may have been a portal and that's why the UFO came there. But there's a portal. Now, when people go there, um, it's almost like the Bermuda Triangle. So apparently people go and they just disappear. No. But you should see the fucking trees in this forest. This joint is hackers. 
Nice. The trees literally go like a C shape. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm going to post a photo of what that looks like because there's just like places where all the trees just bend as if like they've had a UFO sitting there and they've they've grown around it but if you think about the way that trees grow they grow certain ways because they move like they they never stop going up but they will go where they need to go yeah of course and so around these, things around things and yeah. these trees are perfectly all in just unison going like that it's crazy and then some of them just aren't but there's nothing there there's nothing there but there's also been a few there's a few really cool pictures that they have photographs that have been taken from that forest where there's some really shady shit going on like, you Google it. It's, it's hectic. So no, thanks. It's really cool. Um, so that's in Romania. So any of our listeners in Romania who happen to have been there, know about it, or might know the folklore and the, the way of the land when it yeah. comes to that, I would love to hear about it because I am so intrigued. Um, in Canada, we have a few listeners in Canada. Yeah, Hi, Canada. Hello, lovely Canada. Um, the Fairmont Banff Springs Hotel. So this was built in 1888, triple eights, um, and it was it's this beautiful, massive chateau um, style hotel that sits in the Rocky Mountains in the Banff National Park. Um, but apparently, when you get inside, it's um, very gothic, and it is uh, reported to have ghosts. Uh, there is a famous ghost there who is a bride who supposedly fell down the stone staircase on her wedding day. I'd be pissed off and haunt that place too if that happened to me. Me too. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to try and walk down these stairs. Um, Where's my just, wedding? <laughs> you'd just be like, oh my fucking God. I dressed up for this shit. Yeah. Um, but it says there's a less tragic spirit too. Sam, the bellman, who worked in the hotel until 1975 and claimed he'd come back to haunt the joint. His spirit, his spirit supposedly pulls shifts, helping people with their bags before disappearing. Oh. Oh. That just reminded me of a place we stayed at in Scotland. It's now a hostel that you can stay at, but it's near Loch Lomond and it's this old, um, old castle. And, um, yeah, we stayed there the night, but there's all these ghost stories about this woman I just remember real vaguely just reminded me of it where she fell out or threw herself out of a top window and and landed on the ground below but we've walked all around there and took photos I'll have to show them to you yeah remind me see what's there that you didn't see yeah so cool yeah um now in India yes uh Benga Fort so it is 100 miles southwest of Delhi and it's a ruins of the Bengar Fort. Uh, and uh, they're basically just sitting there in the middle of a desert. Uh, and so no one can live there. And the reason why no one can live there is because people believe that it has a curse. That it's that a, a, um, an evil sorcerer cursed the ruins. Uh, and he... Was it Voldemort? <laughs> Um, apparently to be able to experience, um, more of a spiritual attachment to the area as opposed to a spooky attachment, people will go and do yoga. 
and salute the sun. So people who are um, of that area, if you have been there or if you know this or you can enlighten us, because there's not much information that I can find about it. Mm. Um, and I know that like I love Indian culture and stories and where that all comes from. I just love it. I would love to hear someone's take on that. Or even yeah. if you're not from India and you know it, I would love, 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 love to hear it because a sorcerer and an evil curse. It's just like, wow, that's heckers. Yeah. Good stories there for yes. sure. And now we move to France. 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 The Chateau de Brissac. Brissac Quince. You should know this. You're a French speaker. You can well, do better than that. You know what? <laughs> when you study French when you're pregnant, <laughs> you remember fuck all. Seriously, I may as well just be illiterate when it comes to French. It's just all those years of study just has meant nothing. It's crazy how it's just – it's pre-drug um, brain and yeah. post-drug brain. They're really different. <laughs> I just have no memories. Um, okay, so it is one of the tallest castles in all of France, and it's seven stories, um, but it's best known as the home of the Green Lady. Ooh. Acker, the ghost of Charlotte of France. Um, the website for the chateau tells the legend of Charlotte, who was the illegitimate daughter of King Charles VII, who was murdered by her husband after he discovered her having an affair. Named for the colour of her dress when she was killed, the Green Lady can be found roaming the chapel's tower room and moaning in the early hours of the morning. Moaning, Myrtle. Moaning. Why moaning. did you kill me? Oh, moaning is one of the creepiest sounds to hear as someone who can hear. It is one of the creepiest. I don't like moaning. Is that because they're unhappy? Is it like a cry? Yeah. Yeah. But it's like a stuck cry. It's just like, oh, fuck, we've got a doozy. The worst of all cries. Yeah, moaning. It's just, it's ex- if you've watched Harry Potter, yes. it's moaning Myrtle in a nutshell. Wow. Yeah. That, like for real? For real. It's wow. just moaning and it's just relentless. And they're, but they're almost like poor is me as well with their victims. Or yeah, that. so it's hard to get to them. It's hard to get them to pay attention to want to go. It's like I'm gonna cry about my situation, but I'm not gonna do anything about it. Wow. <sighs> it's not fun. Oh, I don't dear. like the moaning. It happens really. When I was little, one of my aunts, one of my mum's sisters, lived in a house in Londonderry, which is out far western Sydney. And oh, not the one in Ireland. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, she lived in this house that was on an acreage and it was this long, 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 long house, low and long. And it just was all, like, you'd go in through the front door, which was sort of, from what I remember, maybe in the middle of the house or towards the middle of the house. And I don't really remember what was to the left, but to the right of the house was the lounge room and the kitchen was at the back. But then there was this long hallway that went down the centre of the house going sort of like in an easterly direction and off that hallway was all the bedrooms across the sides but at the end of the hallway was a door that was always locked and there was no piano in there but we would always hear a piano coming from that whoa did you tell me about that before probably right oh, i just had something flash past my ear anyway um oh, you can't okay you uh, can't do that to me i just i just heard whoom, go okay. straight past my ear oh wow anyway was it a piano no <laughs> okay um um, Did it happen again or you're just recovering? No, I'm just trying to figure out Focus. what the fuck's going on yep. right now. <laughs> I'll push it together <laughs> while we're live. Um, so 
at the end of this hallway was a door and from behind that door come music and piano, but there was never a piano in that room. So that door was just locked. But, wow. But we would always see and hear a mother and what we assumed was her daughter and they wore colonial clothes and they would they were so cheeky. The little girl used to move the keys, lock the doors, unlock windows and open them, like all these really cool wow. things. Um, but, um, why was I even talking about that? Um, oh, and I remember when I was little hearing moaning at that house. Oh, the moaning. Yes, of course. Yeah. And it was my first, it's from what I can remember, it's my first experience of moaning and I would have been three. That's not pleasant. Well, at the time you don't really think about it, I don't think, but. I look back to that now and I'm like, fuck that, man. Could you discriminate? Like, were you old enough to understand that's not real, that's just a sound? Or did you, like, how did you accept that and how did you make Ooh, sense of thunder. that in a, you know, in a three-year-old I did not make mind. sense of it because I didn't know I was the only one experiencing it. But so it was you just, just something we didn't talk about. Okay. Did anyone else hear it? Well, in your family, I don't know if anyone else heard the moaning, but my family knew that these two spirits lived there, and we locked, kept that door shut because we could all hear piano and the so key. Everyone could so hear everyone it. experienced it. Right. I don't know about the moaning though. Well, okay. It's just a memory that I have of the first time that I remember experiencing the moaning, and it's it's probably it's happened a few times the moaning. Yeah. Um, it's happened another time when I was doing actually I was doing a paranormal investigation. Um, and I heard the moaning, but I only heard it once and it went and I was just like, damn, I wanted it to come back just so that I could, it's like when you hear things once, it's one thing and I don't really give it any attention. I just acknowledge it really. Yeah. But then when I hear it again, I'm like, okay, you got me. You've got my attention. Yeah. What and do I'll you give need, it something. want? Yeah. yeah. Okay. That makes um, sense. And it doesn't scare me. No. Like I never get scared. I get, you know what I get? I get, see, I get, um... Like I want to vomit. Oh, like a bit nauseous. Yeah. Like vertigo-y? No, no vertigo. Just almost like um, it's an overwhelming kind of feeling of uh, the, I guess, um, the magnitude of what I need to do with the moaning. Yeah. Oh, right. Because it's like it's huge. It's a lot of energy that's not not, negative. And I don't like doing it. So it's almost like butterflies in my tummy going, oh, no, I don't want to have to do this. I don't want to have to do this. I don't want to do this. Like give me a. Sure. That makes sense then. Even the criers. The criers are better than the moaners. Yeah. Um, Okay. Next. And then we are going to Argentina. Buenos Aires. (laughs) Buenos Aires Yep, that's it, that's what I said We have La Recoleta Cemetery This place looks fucking cool There are mausoleums And oh my god Um, So uh, There's thousands of statues Mausoleums, fairy tale grottos And intricate tombstones As well as the remains of Argentina's most iconic figure Eva Peron I remember my mum and dad, I had an audition for the Australian Theatre for Young People and it was year 12 and I had won the Shakespeare Festival and got an audition. Wow. And my mum and dad, dad took the day off work and my mum and dad took me into um, the city and I went for my audition and then they took me to George Street Cinemas and we watched Evita. With Madonna. With Madonna. <laughs> I was wow. just like, hook, line and sinker. Best day ever. Oh, my God. 
So um, we are heading over to where Madonna is buried and joking. Um, okay, so the stone walkways and labyrinth of mo- mausoleums are as beautiful as they are eerie, and Recoletta has a couple of haunted legends of its own. I'm sure. One of the most famous stories involves David Aleno, a former grave digger and caretaker who worked at the cemetery for 30 years before killing himself. That's a long time to work in a cemetery. Do you reckon he buried himself alive, like dug his own grave and just jumped in and then just went, oh, fuck it? Who would do that? A grave digger who wants to kill himself. Nuts. Um, so today just, there are reports of um, being able to hear his keys jangling uh, as he walks the pathways at dawn. Right. Spooky shit. But you know what? That is an amazing cemetery. It's a cemetery that you see in a lot of movies. Right. Um, where they um, – I know there's a show on Netflix. I'm not going to name it, but there's a show on Netflix um, that I watch and my kids, my boys watch, um, and they do a lot of scenes in that cemetery. Oh, right. It's just – it's amazing. Like, it's just beautiful. Hmm. There you um, go. Okay, now we're going to go over to the motherland in England <laughs> and the Tower of London. Believe it or not. Oh, that's got lots of good stories. What do you know about it? That's where the crown jewels are locked up. And I remember reading um, books by Philippa Gregory that makes good stories out of actual history. And she talks about the murders of children hiding in barrels and buried in walls. and In the well, in the tower? Yeah. So built by William the Conqueror in 1066. This uncompromising fortress has had many functions, but it's best known for its bloody history as a prison and execution site. Henry VIII famously ordered the execution of two of his wives, Anne Bolan and Catherine Howard. It's also where two young princes were imprisoned after the death of their father, King Edward IV. They disappeared shortly after in 1483 and their remains weren't found until 1647. Ghost stories of the tower's victims abound. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, that's that's crazy, that place. I'd it, love to take you there. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. It blows my mind to think like when Anywhere. we talk about this person named William the Conqueror. Can you imagine having someone these days that we call like Matthew the Conqueror? <laughs> and like 1066. Like that's a thousand years ago. So long. It's crazy to even try and fathom. I can't. Like, it hurts my head. Mm. Anyway, now moving on to the UAE. And I'm going to have another go. Jazarat al-Hamra in the United Arab Emirates. Um, You'll find the nearly abandoned town of Jazirat al-Hamra, about 14 miles southwest of Ras al-Khamra. Kamar in the UAE, located between a huge mall and a huge water park. Cool. So when you look out the window, you see it. Um, Established (laughs) in the 14th century, the town grew into a thriving pearl fishing village. Wow. I didn't know they had that. They did that over there. No. In the 1830s, before it was suddenly abandoned. Just suddenly, just everyone just fucked off in 1968, which wasn't that long ago. The town now consists of dirt roads, 13 mosques, and more than 300 coral and mud houses, and of course, some resident spirits. People claim that visitors are bound to experience strange noises and chilling apparitions, usually genies. 
in the form of animals. Oh, wow. They call them jinns. The Arab word is jinns, which so means genies. Genie animals. Mm, in the form of animals. So f- take me there, please. That's that would be cool. so cool. Yeah. What does an animal genie look like? I want to meet a jinn. Yeah. Show us your jinn. <laughs> Is it magical? God. God. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, so now we're going to go to Lithuania. Ooh. I, I love saying Lithuania because it reminds me of when I used to watch Miss Universe when I was oh, little. Oh, really? And they used to go, Miss Lithuania. <laughs> it reminds me of the Olympics. <laughs> when else do you hear that? I don't know. I just out? think of lithium a lot of the time too. Lithium. Oh, my God. <laughs> You do <laughs> anyway. I just like the let the sound of it, Lithuania, Miss Lithuania. Okay, anyway, anyway. go on. <laughs> what spooky shits in Lithuania? Uh, just the hill of crosses, just. which is literally a hill with like a million crosses. Wow, big ones, yeah, big, little, medium size. Wow, okay, yeah. So, is that like a been, cemetery? Well, people have been placing crosses at this spot in northern Lithuania since the 14th century and for lots of different reasons. Throughout the medieval period, the symbols expressed a desire for Lithuanian independence. Then, after a peasant uprising in 1831, people began adding to the site in remembrance of dead rebels. And the hill became a place of defiance once again during the Soviet occupation from 1944 to 1991. While the hill and crosses were bulldozed by Soviets three times, locals kept rebuilding it and there are now more than 100,000 crosses altogether on this hill. Whoa. As the wind blows across the fields um, of the county, ornate rosaries clink against metal and wooden crucifixes, filling the air with eerie chimes. You can imagine that, can't oh, you? Oh, it's giving me the goosebumps. Yeah. Like it's... And that's a lot of persistence there, rebuilding oh. and rebuilding and rebuilding. And you know what? I look at that photo of all these crosses on this hill and the intention, the loaded intention... Yeah. In every single one of those, like, because there's some, like, giant crosses there. There's also a giant statue of a man. It could be Jesus. I don't know. But there is some giant stuff going on there. So there were people that were very passionate and intentional about their message. Yeah. It's like a hill of intention. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's it cackles at you when the wind blows. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to go to Scotland. I so did that fucking wrong. Do you have to do do it with the accent? I'd rather hear Jamie Fraser from Outlander. Oh, Sam Hewen, what a Edinburgh Castle. Oh, my God. One of the biggest attractions in Scotland's capital city is also considered to be one of its most haunted. Have you been there? Edinburgh Castle? Yeah. I've been through the castle. So are you going to read about the castle now? A little bit, yeah. And then the the underground, Edinburgh underground, is fascinating too. Okay, well, let's see what it says and then you can tell us a little bit more. Oh, if only I knew. You go on. Well, with sections (laughs) dating back more than 900 years, the historic fortress's ancient dungeons have led visitors to the castle to report sightings of colonial prisoners from the American Revolutionary War. Um, French prisoners from the Seven Years' War. I didn't know there was a Seven Years' War. I've never heard of that before. And even the ghost of a dog. Wandering the castle's dog cemetery. Wow. There's a dog cemetery there. I, I've seen a little dog um, 
ghosts at the cemetery in Edinburgh Castle? No. Scotland? No? <laughs> no. It was its little memorial because this beautiful little dog was so loyal to its owner who had passed away yeah. that it had it had um, travelled behind the funeral procession and then laid on its grave um, and then it died. So there's this little memorial there in Scotland. Aww. Well, in Edinburgh, right near the castle. That's so cute. Yeah. That's actually a very common thing. There you go. Where dogs, um, even horses, but dogs uh, will run away. Yeah. And where they find them is usually at the owner's grave. They just they yeah. can smell them. It's or even when up. before dogs pass away, they'll run away so their owner doesn't have to find them. Yeah. Yeah. My dog, Buddha, that we lost a little bit earlier, um, he ran away all the time. Uh, in the later stages because he had dementia um but everyone just kept saying oh, they run away and they go away to die but he just kept coming back or we yeah. kept bringing him back because he wasn't running away to die he was forgetting <laughs> that he was running away and forgetting how to get home and then just going oh well now i'm stuck <laughs> maybe he thought i'll run away for this and then he forgot <laughs> yeah and then he forgot that he ran away and then he's yeah. like well now i don't know where i am and i've forgotten where my home is and Aww. i don't know how to get back there um okay so now we're gonna go back to russia have I already done Russia? No. No, we're going to go to Russia. Let's go to Russia. Petersburg. The Obvodny Canal in St. Petersburg. It runs five miles through St. Petersburg. And um, the canal goes by a much more sinister name. Have a guess what it's called. Death Canal. Suicide Canal. Ooh, even better. Ever since the artificial canal started being built in the late 18th century, strange events have surrounded the site, including construction workers complaining of headaches, sudden outbursts of violence, and of course, suicides. While most of the suicide attempts have been successful, people who have been saved claim they don't know why they jumped in the water. And they felt, sometimes it's claimed that they felt an invisible force pulled them into the water. Yikes. Some claim the forces come from restless souls lurking beneath the water. Sounds like mermaids. Um, even claiming to see a woman in white floating just beneath the surface before suddenly disappearing. Like the lady of the lake. Yeah. Yeah. Like that just gives me the creeps. But the lady of the lake's meant to be nice. And mermaids, aren't they supposed to be nice too? No. Oh, God. Have you, you not said watched that with Pirates such of the Caribbean? Come on. <laughs> Yeah, I have. No, mermaids are not meant to be nice. Mermaids are, um, mermaids are sorcerers, like not sorcerers, but like mermaids, um, what are they called? Um, like they mesmerize you and they suck you in with their, Oh. what's that called? It's like almost like, um, enchantment. Yeah, that's it. Enchantress. Yeah, they're enchantresses. One of my friends who sometimes listens to this podcast, I mean always listens to this, this podcast, Turns told me. Turns out she me, sometimes <laughs> listens. No, told me, like, this is years ago now, but I ended up watching it. There's a two-part series. I'm pretty sure it was on YouTube on mermaids and, like, the myths of them and how, the, like, the conspiracy theories that they actually exist. But by the time you watch both, you kind of like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Are they there? <laughs> Are you there? It was super creepy. <laughs> yeah, let's not do that. Maybe we could do that for the watch party. Ah. No, not. No, no, no. <laughs> um, okay, now we're going to go back to England and we're going to do Raynham Hall in Norfolk. So built in 1620, uh, it's a 7,000 acre estate. Um, and 
It is home to a fair share of legends and ghost stories, but the most famous one is Lady Dorothy or Dolly Townsend. And Dolly was the wife of Viscount Townsend Acker Turnip. Turnip. And the couple lived in Raynham Hall during the 18th century, during which time Dolly was reportedly locked up in the house by her husband. Lady Dolly's ghost is now said to haunt the estate as proven by a photo taken of her in the 1930s. No one has been able to prove the picture of her is a fake. So I'm going to be doing everything I can to find that picture. Oh, my goodness. Because I want to see it. I do. Uh, I'll feel it. Yeah. Which I can't imagine that I'd be the the expert voice on the decision-making of whether it feels right or not because I'm pretty sure a lot of other mediums have looked at it. And sure. Just gone, yeah. yeah, that's that's real deal. I, that, that's why I want to look at it more. To just but go, you'll well, get I want to feel. see the real deal. Yeah. I know I'm going to get the real deal feeling. Mm. But I want to experience that. And it just looks weird. Like it's just like in the middle of fucking nowhere because it's 7,000 acres. It's just this house in the middle of 7,000 acres with nothing else around it. Dog's balls. <laughs> Stands out like. <laughs> We're going to go to Iceland and I am not even going to even like attempt to say this Fair name. Cool. But it is a house. Something Icelandic. Yeah, it is a house and it overlooks the water, but it's most famous for hosting a meeting between Ronald Reagan and Michael Gorbachev in 1986, a historic moment during the end of the Cold War. And the house has housed many other famous figures over the years, including Queen Elizabeth, Winston Churchill, Marlene Dietrich, plus a handful of British ambassadors. It was one such ambas- it was one such ambassador who first experienced the white lady. I love it how ladies just get called by the colours of the clothes they wear. It's pretty imaginative, isn't it? So clever. A ghost who many believe to be a victim of suicide. The phantom lady apparently caused so much panic and distress the ambassador persuaded the British Foreign Office to sell the house immediately. Wow. That white lady's got some got some gumption. But why would they have to sell the house? The person that saw it and that it's so offended doesn't even live there. So why do the people that live there have to sell? Because they uh, got scared. But the the I think the house was owned by the government. Oh, like okay. I don't think it was a privately owned house. Oh, right. Um, so it's kind of like one government telling the other government to fuck it off because that it's shit's scary. Like, yeah, that yeah. shit's, you know. Oh, because cool. there's a white lady dead <laughs> scaring me. Uh, okay, we're going to go to China and the Forbidden City in Beijing. Okay. So no trip to Beijing is complete without a visit to the Forbidden City, says Traveller magazine. China's former imperial palace that now serves as a museum. But you might not know that the popular tourist destination has quite the reputation among supernatural enthusiasts. I did not know this. Although its name, the Forbidden City, kind of makes me want to go there. (laughs) Um, During its 600-year tenure as a palace, the complex had its fair share of murders, whether from jealous concubines poisoning one another, that just makes me laugh so hard, (laughs) or executions performed at the emperor's behest. Needless to say, there have been many reports of strange phenomena since the palace opened to the public in the 40s. And the most common story involves a woman dressed in white. Mm-hmm. I wonder if she's called the white lady. As most good <laughs> ghost stories do. Can we not start dressing in different colours, people? <laughs> Strolling around the grounds and sobbing. Oh, not moaning. No, just sobbing. 
slightly, slightly better than mooning when it comes to the the um, the scale of inconvenient yeah. spirits we encounter. <laughs> what about dead dudes? I'm so sick of hearing about ladies haunting. Where are all these dead dudes? Well, women are – so women – in human experience, are said to be more evolved souls than men. Of course we are. Of course we are. Like, <laughs> said to be, but we all know it's true. So I wonder whether or not, um, whether that has something to do with why women are so much more easier to communicate with. Like, I reckon the men are still there because they are. Yeah. I speak to them. Yeah. But I think in terms of hauntings, I think that women... We're chattier. Yeah. Like hey, we're, girl. <laughs> we're like, I'm going to come and fuck... <laughs> Well, that was extra weird. So we have some really strange things that happen when we record. And that just happened now because our whole audio interface ejected itself. Yes. <laughs> apparently, I think it censored us because we started swearing. Yeah. And we were geeing up the dudes and the girls just like, yep. yeah, I don't know what that was, but... It could have been techie, glitchy stuff, and it could have been spirits. Either way, um, yeah, so that's why female ghosts are more apparent. We're a bit chattier. Is that essentially mm-hmm. <laughs> what's going on there? I don't want to be shut up again. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so we're going to move right along. <laughs> it was just so bizarre. It was very bizarre. Oh, but it happened. It Happening. Happened. So we're going to move to South Africa. Okay. Um, the Castle of Good Hope in Cape Town. Uh, it dates back to 1666-666, making it the oldest colonial building in South Africa. Originally, originally built by the Dutch East India Company as a replenishment station for ships, the site also served as a military fortress and prison during the Second Boer War from 1899-1902. Today you can tour the fort's many rooms and buildings, including the torture chamber. Oh, Really? But you might want to prepare yourself for a ghost sighting. Back in the 1700s, Governor Peter von Noot condemned several men to be hung to death. One of the men cursed the governor from the gallows and von Noot died of a heart attack later that day. Wow. According to the Castle of Good Hope's official website, his ghost has been haunting the battlements ever since. That's fucking cool if that's real. We've also got a jail in Belfast, in Northern Ireland, the Crumlin Road Jail, a Victorian-era prison. It is spooky as fuck when you look at it. Um, and it is said to be one of the most haunted sites in Ireland and often referred to Europe as Europe's Alcatraz. The jail contained some 25,000 inmates, men, women, and children. It's a lot of people. Yeah, and it was open for 150 years. Uh, it publicly hung prisoners and buried their bodies within the prison walls. The institution officially shut its doors in 1996. It's not that long ago. What? But the ghosts of deceased inmates are said to still roam the iron walkways today. If this sounds like the sort of place you want to spend time in, you're in luck. Crumlin Road Jail offers daily tours, live concerts and reasonably priced meals at its in-house, in-prison restaurant. I like the chick that's that's written this. (laughs) It even serves as a venue for conferences and weddings. Can you imagine? And free hauntings. Can you imagine wanting to get married in a place like that? Like, who does that? If you've done that, if you've gotten married in a place that is super ass haunted and spooky and you know it, 
tell me why. Please, I, I really want to know. Like, I want to understand the psychology behind that. Maybe they think it's fun. Unless it's your dead people. Yeah. Like, isn't your... Oh, I'm not even going to judge, but your wedding day is not meant to be, like... Wow. Well, it's not meant to be. It can be whatever you want it to be. Yeah, it could be. could be cool. Yeah. But, like, why merge them? <laughs> anyway, tell me why. I want to know. Like, if you've done it, I just want to know. Yeah, that'd be so cool. To... So cool. I'd love to understand that. So now we're going to go to Italy in Venice, and we've got Poviglia Island, less than half a mile from the canals of Venice. The island has served as a quarantine zone for bubonic plague victims, storage space for Napoleon's weapons, and the site of an early 20th century insane asylum. This place is the shit. Wowza. Yep. Um, it played host to horrific medical experiments. Oh. Uh, yeah. And finally closed for good when a doctor threw himself off the institution's bell tower. That's all it took mm-hmm. in the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, so apparently uh, residents around the area claim to hear the chimes echoing. Um, and even though the bell was removed decades ago, you can still hear the chime echoing through the village. It's Is actually that- illegal mm. to visit there today. Um, but you can see the... in. You can see the island and decaying hospital safely from the beaches of nearby Lido. That just makes it even more fucking creepier to know it's an illegal place to go to and all that stuff's happened. Why is it illegal? Maybe it's just out of respect. There's so much not desecrate. shit going on there. Don't touch it. Mm. There's not enough sage in the world, is there? Mm-hmm. Um... So we've got the catacombs in Paris, back to France. Um, and just quickly, after a prolonged bout of heavy rains flooded and unearthed the overcrowded Les Innocents Cemetery in the spring of 1780, a wave of rotting corpses tumbled onto the property next door. It's just like you wake up in the morning and, oh, <laughs> <laughs> what do we have here? <laughs> just another corpse. <laughs> Kick it aside, love. And... Um, so apparently it started a 12-year project to move bodies from Paris's cemeteries down into the city's former limestone quarries, eventually packing the underground tunnels with some 6 million bodies. No. What the actual? What? Today, about a mile of the subterranean labyrinth is open to visitors who can take tours of the tunnels and artfully arrange displays of bones. Would you do that? This chick is so cool with her writing. Artfully <laughs> displays of bones. Uh, no. It would be too heavy for me. I, I'd like to, but busy. I don't think that I would feel good. Mm. I think I'd be sick. Mm. I wouldn't enjoy it. I don't enjoy cemeteries full stop because I feel sick. Mm. I enjoy them in as Tracy. Like I, I like it's cool. But my body just doesn't like it. New Zealand, Larnock Castle, was built in 1871 and in 1887 to serve as the residence of William Larnock, a prominent local politician. Um, It has a 3,000 square foot ballroom. That's pretty big. Which was a 21st birthday present for his favourite daughter, Kate, who later died of typhoid at age 26 and is said to still haunt the ballroom. Uh, Apparently... You hear, um, oh, apparently you get tapped on your shoulder and someone whispers in your ear. Would you like a dance? <laughs> Could be. Yeah. 
Uh, and so apparently um, Caitlin writes that this place has is usually visited by a lot of param- paranormal investigators and it's been featured on Ghost Hunters International, which is it's really cool to have done that. <laughs> um, we're going to go to Belize and far out. Zunen Tunic in Belize, deep in the jungles of Belize, less than a mile from the Guatemala border. There is an ancient Mayan ruin that has sat abandoned for the past millennium. An earthquake caused the original civilization to crumble, but the complex was rediscovered by explorers in the 1890s, and since then it has served as an, an important archaeological site under the radar tourist attraction and hotbed of ghostly sightings. It's said to be haunted by one female ghost, a black-haired lady with red glowing eyes. Ew. She was first spotted by one of the earliest research teams in 1893 and has been spotted near El Castillo, the tallest building in the complex, many times since then. No one knows exactly who the so-called stone lady, oh, thank God, an original, (laughs) is. Was she wearing stones? Oh, then maybe not an original. (laughs) Fuck. Maybe it was the color. Maybe her dress was the color of stone. Stone. There we go. That's got to be it. <laughs> um, but many speculate that she may have been a human sacrifice whose death ritual was performed on the top of El Castillo Pyramid. Oh. I'd love to know how they came about that. Obviously, there was rituals that... There was a lot of human sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, we're going to go to Mexico. The Isla de la Munecas or otherwise known as, oh, I love this place. I've seen so many documentaries on this. The Island of the Dolls. Have you seen it? Muñecas. Have you seen it? No. Oh, my God. I very first heard about it probably about, oh, about 10 years ago. Right. And I watched an episode of some show, and it's so freaky. Like, I just, I can go, go back to that so clearly when I first saw it. And it's like an, it's a very small island, like tiny, and the water around it is just flat, like creepy ass water. And they're just in this boat that's quiet because you can't make any noise. And they just like float up to the island and there's all these fucking dolls, voodoo dolls, dolls heads, dolls bodies, dolls clothes, dolls, dolls hanging from trees. There's just, it's like... It's just, there's just, bleh, there's That's just dolls everywhere. Um, so it is a world heritage site. Why? Uh, because it is a well-preserved example of Aztec life, which you would be so interested in. Of dolls? Yeah. The neighbourhood of, not going to be able to say this, has reached a certain amount of internet fame for its island of the dolls. Hidden among the region's many canals, the site is famous for the hundreds of dolls and doll parts hanging from trees and scattered among the grass. While it might look more like a horror movie set, the Chinempa, akin to an artificial island, used to be the residence of a now-deceased man named Julian Santa Barrera. After finding a dead girl's body in a nearby canal, Barrera collected and displayed the toys in the hopes of warding off evil spirits. Uh, And that is a source of National Geographic. And so daring souls can hire their own boat and view the island safely from the water. It's crazy. Like you have to you you have to look it up. Like I reckon you'd find it so intriguing. Yeah, it's intriguing and creepy, but it's kind of <laughs> sweet when you 
when you just read the history and it was because he wanted yeah. to leave something nice for a, a dead child. Yeah, and ward off the spirits. Um, but, but now it looks like it would harbour them. Yeah, exactly. It's creepy ass. Yeah. Um, okay, now we're going to go to Sweden. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Borgvatnet Haunted Vicarage in Raganda. Originally built in 1876, weird happenings have been noted in this parsonage since 1960. The grey wooden structure now serves as a bed and breakfast. We are so going. <laughs> in a rural area with snowmobiling, fishing and not a lot else. Ikea. <laughs> Guests at the uh, haunted vicarage claim to hear footsteps, music and the sound of three crying ladies coming from the inn. And the proprietors will reward you with a certificate that says you stayed through the night. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'd go there just for the certificate. Yeah. <laughs> I want to do that. Okay, let's go to Puerto Rico in San Juan. Um, Teatro Tapia. I'm sure I got that wrong. No, it's Is, perfect pronunciation. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Is known for its natural beauty and rich history, which, hello, look at it. Oh, wow. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, but it's. Uh, very eerie, apparently. So one of the most famous spooky sites on the island is this place that I just said that didn't say properly. Um, but it's a theatre known for its plays, concerts and paranormal activity. According to Urban Myth, an actress who fell to her death while performing at the theatre returned to haunt the venue. Some visitors claim to have seen her ghost wandering the theatre grounds with other report mysterious footsteps, doors swinging open and shut and an unseen choir of voices coming from the stage. Freaky. Um, it still holds <laughs> frequent ballet and music performances, so you can get a ticket and you can watch local acts and maybe see a ghost while you're at it. And another show. Let's also go. Also included. And almost last is Indonesia. And we're going to Lawang Sewu Semarang in Indonesia. Built in the early 20th century by Dutch colonists, um, Lawang Su Siwu, which translates to Thousand Doors, served as a head office for the Dutch East Indian Railway Company before the Japanese turned it into a detention camp during World War II. And during the war, many harsh interrogations, tortures and violent executions occurred within the building's walls, all of which contribute to its current status as one of Indonesia's most haunted sites. Its own Ministry of Tourism describes it as that. Tourists are free to visit the abandoned site today, perhaps to confirm whether there are many circulating ghost stories tied to the Thousand Doors have any truth to them. It's funny how some cultures use whatever they can for tourism and, and exploit it in some ways and others, like, make it illegal to go there. Yeah, it's yeah. very different, isn't it? It is. It's, it's, um, it's very telling. And almost last again, we are going to Japan to the something something forest. To a forest in Japan, then. Aokigahara, Aokigahara Forest in Japan, the seemingly serene forest, which is always far more scarier. Yes. At the foot of Mount Fuji, has a tormented past. Oh. Colloquially, <laughs> that is a tough word. Colloquially Ooh. known as Suicide Forest. Jeez. It has been the site of 500 reported suicides since the 1950s, claims the BBC. Some blame this trend on the forest association with demons in Japanese mythology. 
Others point towards large underground deposits of iron, which interfere with compasses and make it easy to get lost. In fact, many hikers will mark their path with tape or string to make it easier to find their way back out again. I've watched a documentary on this forest, actually. Mm. Um, and it was it, the reason why they did the documentary was to try and figure out why there were so many suicides in such a short period of time. I think the documentary was done maybe maybe in the later 2000s. Um, but they saw, like, in 50 years, 500 people had gone in and never come out. Uh, and they just were like, it can't be, it can't be just a coincidence. There has to be something. And I think that they came out with that theory at that point when they did that about how um, the energetic. Oh, that was their conclusion also. I think so. I think from memory. Yeah. I'm just pulling it back. It was a long time ago that I watched it. Um, But, yeah, it's true. Like, it's crazy. Um, And Port Arthur, Tasmania. Lucky last. Uh, No. No. <laughs> soz, not soz. You're not. Um, Port Arthur began as a penal colony in 1833, housing British convicts until it was abandoned in 1877. During those decades, the island touted as inescapable, focused on correcting the inmates' morality, <laughs> using methods like solitary confinement and mandatory church services. Wow. Uh-huh. That'll fix you. That'll correct your morality. Yeah. Um, the settlement has been a destination for curious tourists since the time of its abandonment and was officially preserved as a historical site in 1979. Um, apparently the New York Times describes it as an impressive apparatus for remembering complete with a ferry, interactive exhibit for children and well-trained guides. Fuck you, New York Times. Ghost tours are available of the ruins and open-air museum as well as the nearby Isle of the Dead, an island housing the bodies of deceased convicts in unmarked graves. I'm going there. Um, did you know that Taj Mahal in India is known to be haunted? No, did not. It is. According to legend, the building's architect jumped to his death from the fifth floor after discovering the hotel was facing the wrong direction. Oh, goodness. Holy shit. Oops, Daisy. Oops. <sighs> wow. His spirit now roams the halls, running into guests in the hallway and walking around the roof. And apologising for its position. Maybe, or trying to figure out how he's going to change it. Oh, I don't know. Poor the Winchester bugger. House comes up in here too. Of course it does. Malaysia, first world hotel in Pahang, 7,351 rooms. There's an indoor theme park, a tropical rainforest, and even a touch of paranormal activity. Most legends involve wandering ghosts of high-rolling gamblers who committed suicide after losing everything at the in-house casinos. Oh, woe is me. Um, and then... Lucky last, Canberra. (laughs) (laughs) Legitimately, it just goes, the entire city of Canberra. (laughs) Just all of it. Just Canberra. (laughs) Wow. So uh, apparently Canberra seems to be a paranormal hotspot, especially when it comes to the buildings in the parliamentary triangle. Of course. That might explain a ton, like a shit ton. Anyway, a list, an A-list, start again. A four-star hotel with some serious A-list ghosts roaming its halls is thought to house the former ghost of Prime Minister Ben Chifley, who died in the night of June 13th, 1951, after suffering a heart attack in room 214. His grey-suited ghost is known to appear in the same room from time to time. 
And then there's the old Parliament House itself, where security guards and cleaning staff have reported hearing their names whispered in the night. Ooh. There are many places in Canberra within my Australia list of places to go to, destinations. There's about five That's just a in lot. Canberra. Why would that be? Because uh, apparently the whole of Canberra is haunted, says Traveller. <laughs> I don't know, Canberra, just because Canberra. So I'm really interested to go down and, and check it out. But that is it. Wow. I'm finally finished. <laughs> You've so, stopped talking. <laughs> yeah. So uh, thanks again to the source, which was Traveller uh, online, and it was written by Caitlin Morton back in October 18th, Laura's birthday, 2019, <laughs> at 6.09pm. And we thank you for your research. And I'm going to put up some photos of that really cool forest in Romania with the bent trees. I'm also going to put up um, a couple of photos, one of the Hill of Crosses, yeah, that is intense. Um, and I'm going to put up a picture of the cemetery in Argentina where um, Eva Peron lies. Um, just for some people to just have a look at what I'm talking about. Um, yeah. Do the Doll Island. Yes. Okay. I'll find some really cool pictures of that because, yeah, there's some really cool pictures. Um, but I will put those up on Insta as usual. And if you have been to any of these places or you know more history about them, we want to hear it. Like, please just. Yeah. Send and it others. Out. Yeah, for sure. Like. What you got. Yeah. <laughs> um, and obviously that was a brief. Oh, well, not a brief. It was not brief at all. But it was a uh, much it was reduced a version of her 43 because that definitely yeah. wasn't 43. It felt like 43, but it wasn't. It was a good trip around the world, though, the it world's was. haunted places. At least we know ghosts don't, like, have preferences. They that, don't discriminate. Yeah, they don't discriminate. And that cultures where we all go to the same place, we all do the same shit. We, yep. <laughs> we can all haunt. <laughs> um, I just think about the concubines. Yes, do you? Go on, then. <laughs> I just think it's hilarious thinking about these little concubines poisoning each other and then just putting these happy faces on. They remind me of clowns, concubines. Wow. Okay. They're painted faces. Yeah, okay. I studied um, modern history. Yeah. And in that, we did a lot of um, China. Right. And the dynasties. Yeah. Um, and uh, the concubines were so cool to explore. Yeah, so I read a cool. book once called Wild Swans. It's like yeah. really thick, but I've that was, that. yeah, it's all about the concubines mm. and that sort of thing. It's mm. fascinating. Very fascinating. It's always and interesting learning about a culture that's so far removed from what mm. you know and grew up in. Yeah. And the Chinese, um, like in ancient Chinese and even modern, well, what we would call modern now, but it's not, um, the, their psychology is so different to many other humans. Mm. Just the, their race, um, it's so intriguing. Very. Love that stuff. Yeah. So get in touch. Thanks for your attention and your listening this week. <laughs> Wherever you are, we hope you're all staying safe and happy and happy Halloween in the Northern Hemisphere and happy Beltane in the Southern Hemisphere. And get over to the Turns Out She's Psychic fan page group. Yes. And vote on the poll. Yes. Are you going to join us for a watch party, a spooky Halloween watch party next Saturday the 31st? Yes. In the night when all the kids have gone to bed mm. and we can eat all their candy. <laughs> um, or not. And if you are thinking of joining, please send us your suggestions. Thank you. Bye. Bye.